0: Welcome to Mortgage Connects by MGIC, bringing you the latest insights from top mortgage professionals around the industry. I'm your host, Stephanie Budnick, and today we'll be speaking to Danny Gardner. He's the Senior Vice President of Client and Community Engagement for Single Family Division. In addition to assuming sales leadership, Mr. Gardner is responsible for fulfilling Freddie Mac's community mission to provide sustainable homeownership education and financing to families who are traditionally underserved by the market. He's is also responsible for overseeing Freddie Mac's delivery and performance against single-family affordable lending goals, duty-to-serve regulation, and access-to-credit activities in the FHFA scorecard. Welcome, Danny. We're so excited to have you today.
1: Wonderful to be here. Thank you.
0: Yes, we are looking forward to your insights on some of these industry questions we have. So the first one I actually want to start with were what trends are you seeing that we should take note of in the industry?
1: Uh, sure. So I, I would say, you know, now that we've emerged from the pandemic, you know, things are not different than they were prior to that in that we've got substantial uh, both demographic and generational changes going on uh, in our country. And so we've tried to remain very focused on some of those trends uh, at Freddie Mac. So one, if you think about, you know, the way our, our country is organized in terms of, of the generations, uh, we, we think a lot about the baby boomers, right? Very large uh, population of individuals uh, who, who are beginning to age. And so what we believe we will continue to see are many uh, baby boomers start to downsize uh, from their existing homes or they will be working to retrofit those homes to extend their uh, term in the home, whether it's something that they need to accommodate for health issues, or maybe they want to have a caregiver live with them. Maybe it's a family member or maybe it's a professional caregiver, but we will probably see more modification of properties as a result of that generational change. Um, Then there's the millennials, and as we witnessed as a result of the pandemic, uh, whereas many uh, professionals have uh, found it necessary to live within large urban centers, Uh, We're actually starting to see that out-migration into more suburban areas, and that's great because it's giving us more opportunities uh, in the mortgage finance arena uh, to support that uh, migration by uh, having populations move where there are more properties available. Uh, But we've been thinking a lot about what we call the borrower of the future, and we would define that as Generation Z, uh, specifically individuals who today are ages 10 to 24. So we probably don't give a lot of thought on a day-to-day basis as lenders or other Uh, participants in the mortgage industry about uh, people that are quite so young, uh, but it's something we definitely want to keep our eye on because it is a large and emerging population. In fact, we believe by 2030 uh, the Generation Z will make up 30% of the workforce of the U.S. population. Uh, It's also the most diverse population we've ever seen in our country. Um, But the good news is this generation is very positive about the aspects of home ownership. In fact, um, the majority of uh, respondents to surveys that we have been uh, submitting indicate that uh, they believe they will buy their first home by the age of 30. And as we know, on average, that is actually at the lower end. I think today the average is about 34. So that really speaks to uh, their optimism and positivity. Also, the good news is 74% of this population uh, by survey trust financial institutions. So uh, for lenders and other professionals out there that seek to service this population. Uh, they, uh, they, they trust the industry, they trust um, the, the professionals, and so we will be able to provide that opportunity in, in the future as well. Uh, what's interesting, we also asked them the question of, uh, how, have, you, have you learned a skill uh, from YouTube in the last uh, uh, 12 months? Uh, 80% of respondents did indicate that they used YouTube as a resource for learning and education, but when we go back to our survey, when it comes to home buying, they feel strongly that they would rather rely upon a professional who better understands uh, that procedure than perhaps technology on which you know, most people rely these days. Uh, also, just continuing to talk about this uh, population a bit more, um, you know, we have had in our country common misperceptions about down payment. What does it take to become a homeowner? How much money do you need to put down? Um, and as we've seen with surveys and generations past, the majority believe you need at least 20% down. It's also true that this group feels uh, very fiscally responsible. So they want to actually try to save all of the money that they will need uh, for their down payment. So what that says to us is that, you know, we have an opportunity to better educate them about homeownership in the about the fact that there are options that exist that are far less than 20%, such as a 3% down mortgage from Freddie Mac combined with mortgage insurance from a company like MGIC. So lots of education opportunity uh, as this nascent uh, generation starts to mature into home buying age. Um, And those are, of course, things that Freddie Mac feels very strongly about is the need to educate people so that they will be prepared to make the best possible decisions and become sustainable homeowners.
0: That that was a lot of information about different borrowers and a lot of good things to think about. You know, you think about all of the individuals moving down in size. Um, my parents, for example, aren't, but they bought a second home now. <laughs> so, you know, just the wide range of things there. And the Gen Zs are a really interesting thing to think about. I made me laugh when you talked about YouTube because I can't tell you how many times at least I've Googled how to do, <laughs> how to do something. Uh, not that I fall into that group, but I'm glad they're going to rely on professionals for <laughs> the home ownership aspect of it. Um, you talked about 30% being diverse. Do you foresee that creating further obstacles for anybody or being a more welcome change? Do you see anything coming out of that?
1: Uh- Yes. Yeah, so well, let me speak to that. So first of all, let me clarify. It wasn't that thirty percent were diverse. I indicated this was going to be the most diverse. Uh, oh generation. yes. Okay. Sorry. And yes. No, that's okay. And I forget the statistics. Statistics. I apologize, but I do know there have been projections that you know many of what we have deemed as traditional minority populations, such as Hispanics, as an example, will actually uh, be reaching majority, probably near twenty fifty, as I as I recall. So we oh, are okay. seeing a lot more diversity in this generation. But it goes back to uh, to your question, which is to say, you know, how are, uh, how does that reflect upon opinions and attitudes about uh, borrowers of the future um, as they emerge from this uh, pandemic and, you know, want to reach out and seek home ownership? So, uh, first of all, it should be noted, um, one of my favorite papers, I should say, that came out during the pandemic was actually from the uh, Harvard Joint Center for Housing Studies, and there was a white paper identifying the COVID-19 pandemic as a triple pandemic, especially when it pertains to communities of color. So when we think about the occupations where individuals were not as likely to have an opportunity to work remotely, we see a large share of those roles being held by persons of color. Then as a result, they're either more likely to lose that employment because whatever service being provided, think of your restaurant waiters, uh, baggage handlers, other occupations, you know, in some of the service industry, uh, as patrons, you know, were fearful of that interaction, then those jobs uh, went away, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, for instances where those jobs did not go away, then those individuals had the, um, had the uh, occasion to be more exposed to the virus. So then as a result, we see more of a health impact uh, into those communities as well. And then, you know, logically so, if it's an economic impact, coupled with a health impact, then housing insecurity also uh, could be a potential risk uh, to these communities. So that's the thing we want to be mindful of as we think about uh, the diversity, not only of Generation Z, but of our country and the impacts of the pandemic on specific communities. We also, as I mentioned, do a lot of surveying. And what we noted throughout the pandemic was in a range of somewhere between 31 to 44 percent, depending upon the timing, of the surveys, we noted that many people indicated that their savings had declined, in some cases, quite dramatically. Now, I've seen other um, studies uh, from our Office of Chief Economists showing that the overall savings rate in America has actually increased or improved uh, through the pandemic. People have become more conservative with their spending. But again, for lower income populations, uh, communities of color, you know, they're, they're there's a much different story, and so that impact is there on their uh, ongoing uh, capabilities, especially when we think about the opportunity of saving for a down payment. Uh, We had an issue uh, into the pandemic, and even though we've seen out-migration, you know, as a result of the uh, individuals moving from urban centers out into communities, um, the trend of rents increasing has also been quite strong over the last uh, several years. So that's more pressure on individuals who may seek to become homeowners in the future, just having the means of, again saving saving that all important uh, down payment. Um, I would comment on the fact also um, as we've now uh, you know gotten vaccinated and if you're like myself, you know I, I'm I'm on a visit I'm on a a visit to uh, Texas right now visiting friends and family and you know, took a, took a flight to get here, going into restaurants, but you can still see all around you, there is a shortage of employees and the necessary labor to be there. So again, we have mm-hmm. people still sitting on the sidelines. They've not reemerged in the workforce. Therefore they're not gaining that employment and income in order to hopefully take advantage of a home ownership. Uh, we can't forget the fact that childcare is not as available as it was pre pandemic. So that's one major reason that we see individuals remaining to sit on the sideline. And then lastly, housing supply. Um, We were already facing a housing supply shortage uh, before entering into the pandemic. Uh, Our our economists at Freddie Mac estimate that we are still now about 3.8 million homes short of meeting the demand uh, of of individuals out out there who are seeking to buy. Uh, Many of our brethren in the industry who, who work with families and consumers every single day hear the story about the uh, massive competition for the few available homes uh, that are out there. So that's driving prices up there. So, my point in all of this is that as we think about our outreach uh, to communities, the aspect of promoting first time home ownership, there being more diversity in the borrowers of the future, but then, but the many of those communities being uh, dramatically impacted by the pandemic and the recession as a result. Uh, we're going to see even more challenges for families of the future in trying to attain that all-important homeownership where they can create that uh, ongoing generational wealth for themselves and for future generations.
0: Speaking of like, the pandemic in itself and individuals that may have, be facing challenges in regards to their credit, who took advantage of the forbearance options during the pandemic? What long-term impacts do you think that that might have on individuals that took advantage of these types of resources?
1: Sure. So hopefully very minimal. Um, we, we've worked very hard you know throughout the pandemic, you know working in partnership with the Federal Housing Finance Agency and even our, our brethren agency Fannie Mae, uh, to come up with broad-based solutions and try to help address uh, the crisis. And of course we had the CARES Act you know issued by the federal government that we worked uh, in concert with. Um, so uh, at Freddie Mac um, there's a few things we're very proud of. Uh, the first I would speak to is just you know, more options to help consumers who were facing challenges as a result of the pandemic or other factors that may have been going on uh, in, in communities, uh, disasters would be another uh, good example of that. So we actually came out in the last year uh, with three different uh, deferral options. Uh, All of these options allow for um, a a deferment of payment, a non-interest-bearing deferment. So a way to think about it is you have a period of time, let's just take the pandemic as a specific example, Um, there was forbearance available for up to 18 months. Uh, For those who took advantage of the forbearance, then what this means is that they were able to forego uh, making regular monthly mortgage payments for that period of time, and then as they exit from the forbearance, then they will have a, mo- a program available to them. It's not a modification, it's a deferment, and they can just simply tack those payments on to the end of the term of their of their mortgage, whether they stay in the mortgage through its you know, potential 30-year term, uh, whether they pay the mortgage off early or whether they refinance the um, the past due payments or the unmade payments, I should say, would just become due upon one of those events. And so we have uh, three versions of the um, deferral. We have a standard deferral. We have one specifically designed for those impacted by COVID and taking advantage of that forbearance. And then we have a third option available for those who are impacted by uh, disasters and we see you know that unfortunately becoming ever more uh, common uh, in our country as of late with as the uh, climate has transitioned and we see events such as fires uh, on the West Coast, this is supposed to be a particularly bad hurricane season, if, I, if I'm reading the news correctly. Um, so those solutions are there to help those families. Uh, specifically related to the question about credit, I mean, one of the benefits of the CARES Act was that many types of payments where consumers were given forbearance and options, um, creditors were uh, required to not permit those mispayments uh, into the credit histories uh, of those consumers. So that goes back to my original comment, which is to say, hopefully we won't see any uh, dramatic impact to individuals who were impacted by COVID and took advantage of programs that were federally sponsored, such as forbearance. Um, I'd also like to just speak about, you know, the importance of making all of this available. However, um, at the advent of the pandemic, uh, as you may recall, uh, it was it's quite a chaotic time, and we did have a very rapid federal response uh, to the needs on the ground, trying to shore up, you know, the economy, trying to retain home ownership. We've seen. Uh, foreclosure and eviction moratoriums uh, as a result, but that still left families very much in a position of potentially not knowing where to go to get clarification about the availability of those programs and where to get answers. And unfortunately, as we see, it it seems like almost in every crisis, there were lots of, of entities out there that were very willing to take advantage of that situation, perhaps to spread either misinformation or to nuance things in such a way that it was a profit-making opportunity for themselves, uh, but to the detriment of the family not realizing that uh, that resource was not necessary, that they could simply engage and work with their servicers. So um, we came up with a um, messaging campaign called hashtag help starts here. And it's still available at FreddieMac.com. Uh, professionals and consumers can go out there to get information about all things related to forbearance programs. Uh, how to, um, you know, whether you're selling a loan to us, servicing a loan for us, or a consumer who has benefit of a Freddie Mac mortgage. Uh, there's lots of information out there about these various programs. How to take advantage of them? How do they actually work? And frankly, who you can go to uh, to get assistance and better understanding that.
0: That's a good uh, hashtag to look into. I will definitely make note of that. Um, when we were speaking about um, kind of the first question that I had touched base on and in, in the diversity, many lenders are continuing to work to reach a wide range of diverse customers and demographics, which will be fitting for how the market is moving. What recommendations do you have in helping them meet these goals that they may have?
1: Absolutely. Well, first of all, I would say get educated on it, right? We all uh, see the need uh, to ensure that homeownership is made available uh, in a fair and equ- equitable basis to everyone uh, who has the desire and, and can qualify because we want everyone who takes on this journey uh, to be successful. But there's really great data and research available out there. So we have Freddie Mac uh, put out a lot of information. It can be found at freddiemac.com. Uh, but we also partner with other uh, organizations such as the Brookings Institute or the Urban Institute, um, and uh, even members of the industry like MGIC, um, some of the uh, larger Wall Street banks, I've seen lots of uh, research and studies uh, being put out there about uh, trends in diverse communities and opportunities. And that's really where we like to focus. We, uh, we I mentioned earlier, you know our uh, notion of this borrower of the future. And so uh, under that um, under that focus we, publish a lot of insights that really try to spell out where these opportunities are, specific uh, geographies and specific demographics, uh, where we think based upon the uh, local home prices, uh, we have a view into some redacted credit information, we look at our own internal information, and we really try to help guide um, our seller servicers towards uh, where these opportunities lie to really help families and grow their business uh, based upon data information. So one, I would recommend everybody uh, really educate themselves. Um, Secondly, um, we uh, have a focus area we call All for Home, and it's about collaboration amongst the industry. So with partners such as MGICA and other mortgage insurers, uh, real estate communities, mortgage loan officers, title companies, local government, local non-for-profits. Uh, we believe all of these players make up an ecosystem and we are all very much aligned in one purpose, which is to try and promote sustainable home ownership. Uh, to American families who who seek it, um, but we feel we can be more effective in doing so in a coordinated fashion. So I would encourage um, your listeners to seek out partnerships from some of the constituencies um, that I just identified. Um, We speak about non-for-profits. There are a great uh, number of uh, organizations out there, be they national organizations or local organizations, Uh, with whom one can engage and partner, frankly, not just to learn from, but also work alongside in order to reach out into diverse communities. So uh, organizations like the National Urban League, uh, UNIDOS, which is a large Latinx uh, supportive organization, and then there's National Capacity, which uh, supports the AAPI community. All three of those organizations are not only national intermediaries, but they have affiliates throughout the country who are on the ground uh, seeking partnerships with industry professionals and in trying to promote uh, the uh, opportunities for home ownership. Another great thing that organizations like this do is that they support education, and Freddie Mac believes very strongly in that. In fact, we have. Uh, a couple of tools that we make available to the industry at no cost uh, so that that these tools can be leveraged. So uh, one of the tools I'd like to share with you is what we call Credit Smart Essentials. In fact, we are about to relaunch uh, Credit Smart Essentials on uh, July the 16th, and uh, we have a newly um, uh, branded and uh, modernized uh, capability now of a true learning management system that uh, individuals can be directed to self-paced, online, available on mobile devices uh, to become more aware and astute with all things that relates to one's financial health. But then we go one step further and we actually have a program called Credit Smart Coach where we teach other individuals. And in many cases, these are industry professionals, uh, realtors, loan officers, um, people who are active in the faith-based communities or even active active you know with their employer and trying to help teach this information to others. So um, uh, that's one thing I want to make sure your uh, listeners are aware of. Uh, in addition to we have the credit smartphone Buyer you. <laughs> And that is a uh, course that is written specifically to help consumers understand uh, what it takes to become a sustainable homeowner. And again, that's available uh, at no cost, online, self-paced, and through all the capabilities uh, that I previously mentioned. So partnerships are key. Promoting education is key. And of course, educating oneself about the opportunity is key in order to better serve these communities.
0: That's great advice. I know education is a big piece for us here at MJC too with some of our consumer-facing things and then things that we have on our site. So I, I agree that those things parallel very well with what we think matters too. The last one, and it's maybe the most unique, but what is the biggest surprise that you've seen or heard in the last few months and why?
1: Wow, well, if if, if nothing else, it's been uh, a year and a half of many, many, many surprises. So (laughs) trying to pick pick the biggest is is a bit of a challenge. Uh, I I would say maybe not as relevant to the last few months, but over this period of time, I personally have been surprised at just how strong the purchase market has remained in our industry. I I mentioned all of these headwinds earlier, uh, be it the economy, be it the health issues, um, you know, the, house, the, the price of housing, you know, rapidly escalating really have presented lots of headwinds that make it difficult for families. But we've just seen so much strength in this market. Uh, last year was a record production year for the industry and for Freddie Mac in particular. Um, but we still purchased over a million homes for purchases of which about 46 to 47 percent were to first time homebuyers. Uh, I remember just 2014, 2015 I believe that metric was somewhere you know in the low 30 percentages so um, the strength of that has really been uh, quite incredible uh, to witness in my opinion and hopefully you know it will continue to sustain. We know with the uh, record low interest rates uh, that makes that opens up the opportunity for many more people but we've just got to figure out some way to get on top of our housing supply shortages uh, out there. Um, the other thing I was going to mention is just this, I mentioned earlier, this out migration from urban centers, and I do believe that is contributing to the health of what we're seeing in the purchase money market. People who previously worked for large employers were required to come to the office every single day, You know, living in areas that were more dense, less affordable, less available supply that met the needs of themselves and their family. Uh, but now with the the hope of um, more flexibilities in what we consider our day-to-day work life our ability uh, to work remotely and therefore you know expand beyond those urban centers i think has really kept that uh, that purchase uh, market healthy but also just interesting to think about what will that do for rural communities or other communities where you may not have seen quite as much uh, you know whether it's diversity economic investment uh, services available or even employment available, you know, this may certainly change things where we have a little bit more um, opportunity, you know, in places without everyone having to necessarily um, move to move to the large cities. Um, and then lastly, I would say um, technology. It, it's so interesting to think about of all of the technological capabilities we have harnessed over this last year and a half, you know what? What will remain? You know what will our ongoing practices be like? You know, you and I are are speaking virtually right now, and we have much more acuity as it pertains to um, um, sorry, acuity is probably the right word, but anyway, we're we're much more confident with the use of uh, virtual engagement, right? Video conferencing, yeah. if you will. And I, I I've said this in many speaking engagements. It's like you know, I remember you know over the last twenty years, almost everybody had that. Room in their building that was the video conference room. No one ever used it. <laughs> no one understood how to use it. Yeah. And you know, it was it was a massively underutilized a capability. But I think we've all become quite comfortable uh, with this now. And as it pertains to mortgage lending, right? We've come up with opportunities uh, to create more social distance, whether it's with an appraisal or whether it's with notarization uh, of documents. So we're 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 much more confident in doing things more virtually. And in so doing, I think we can do so more efficiently. Hopefully that means it takes a lot of cost uh, out of the equation because we know that is a big barrier. You know, you already have uh, rising uh, home prices. We potentially could be facing rising interest rates. Um, So if we can have the benefit of reduced cost through technology and efficiency, excuse me, um, I think that can only be more beneficial, you know, to what we all seek to do, which is to to grow home ownership and grow our businesses.
0: That, that's so, I like that you said that just because I've realized so many of the things that you've talked about as surprising things. I can't believe how quick homes still go off the market and how fast an accepted offer sign is up there. Or, you know, you t- listen to the bids that are occurring. And to your point about how fast we came to w- where we are right now. I mean, I I personally, I know about that room you're talking about because I've seen it at our office. And I was like, who uses this? And now, if I thought about recording a podcast, I'd be like, I can't do that in the office. I have to do that at home where it's a little bit more quiet. And the only thing I have to worry about is the garbage man that just came past my house, you know, at the time of our recording. So that's. that's really unique to think about, and I and I personally went through a refinance during this and a and a move, all in the same thing. So to see some of those things evolve, really made it very easy for me to do things from my home and not have to be somewhere else doing them. So those are all valid and great points. Um, I appreciate your time so much today. You had great insights to share with all of our listeners. So thank you so much, Danny.
1: Yeah. Thank you again for the opportunity and to all the listeners, you know, uh, best of luck with the coming year. I hope everybody has, you know, weathered what we've been through uh, recently, you know, in a sane and safe manner. And uh, I'm very optimistic about what the future holds and, you know, ready to you know continue to further lean in and what we all do really it's just to just promote homeownership and, and help families be successful uh, to that end. So I hope my comments today have added value to that equation.
0: It absolutely has. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good one. Thank you so much for listening. For all the latest industry insights, subscribe to Mortgage Connects with MGIC on Apple, Stitcher, or Spotify, or check out mortgageconnects.com. Until next time.